Welcome to the Near Church Podcast. This week's message starts now. Amen. John chapter 4. Just look at your neighbor and say, you ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? John chapter 4, 28 through 30. And then we're going to jump over to Revelation chapter 12. Don't worry, I'm not preaching last day's stuff today. That's, that's not my gift. John 4, 28. The Bible says this. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Verse 30. Then the people went out of the town and they were coming to Jesus. Now, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, real familiar. And they have conquered him. Who's him? The devil, the forces of hell, demonic powers, you name it. They've conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word somebody say the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death i want to preach today there's just a theme today it's really beautiful i want to preach on this testify in the gap testify so i need you to go around and find 10 people 10 people a lot give them a high five give them a hug and say you got to testify in the gap. come on count them 10 Nine, eight. If you're watching online, write it in the chat. Got to testify in the gap. Testify in the gap. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all you're doing in this house. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the anointing. God, I pray today that you would challenge us, push us in the spirit to reach our community like never before. In Jesus' name, everybody shouts, amen. amen. You may be seated, but on your way down, look at your neighbor and say, you got to testify in the gap. You got to do it. You got to do it. Got to do it. Last week, we saw our call, part one, in the story of Abraham to stand in the gap and pray for those who are struggling and far from God. I love that text that I shared last week from Paul. He said, join me in my struggling by praying for me. But today I want to go deeper in our series about evangelism. God is preparing us all for church hurt. I'm telling you, y'all, if there was ever a series that God has given me, it's this one. And we've had some powerful ones. How many of you are around for hustle? Man, hustle was a game changer. Church hurt, we're taking it up a level. It's going to be powerful. And then today, Pastor Jordan approaches me with a series for next fall that already has my mind going, and it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be edgy. Anyway, it's going to be good. But I want us to go deeper in this thought of evangelism. Now, today, a little context of our story. This is the woman at the well. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Now, if you're new to the Bible, you've never read it before, go through the book of John first. It is an amazing book. And here we find the story of the woman in the well. Jesus meets this woman. It's not by accident. I love it because the disciples said, Jesus, why are you going this way? And he said, I, I must go to Samaria. I have purpose in Samaria, which tells me that even the detours have purpose in our lives. 
even the detours have purpose in our lives. It's so funny. I was selling something on Facebook Marketplace this week, and God just opened up relationships through it. And then the next morning, I had a dermatology appointment, and sure enough, the person is sitting at the desk, and she went, it's you. I said, it's me. <laughs> it's just amazing how God will use every moment in our life, not just for us sometimes, but to reach someone else. And so Jesus says, I have to go to Samaria. I, I have to go there. There's purpose in it. And so he goes to Samaria and he sits down at the well of Jacob and this woman comes up in the middle of the day. Now, if you know anything about context, this was not the time that you went to the well because this is the hottest part of the day. You see, this woman has a past and she goes to the well at noon to avoid everyone in her community because they'd be talking about her. And so Jesus has a conversation. He says, where's your husband? And she says, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. You've had five and you're living with a man right now. Just calling out her stuff. Now, what's interesting about that, we throw this woman under the bus and say, man, she's had five husbands living with a man. She's going straight to hell, folks. But if you study history, church history tells us that these weren't divorces that this woman was going through, but her husbands had died one by one by one by one. And so now she's given up on the institution of marriage because it's just brought her hurt, pain, and grief. Do you know anybody like that today? And so Jesus comes to her and he meets with her at this well and she has an encounter with him and it has completely wrecked her life because this is what Jesus does. Anywhere his presence goes, things begin to change. Change occurs. You can go to the deepest, darkest place of sin, but when Jesus shows up, baby, everything changes. Your marriage may be on the verge of exploding. You've had fight after fight after fight, but when Jesus shows up, something changes. Come on. Somebody shout, he changes everything. Come on. And every single person in this room today was once lost and far from God. I don't care what family you come from. I don't care if you've had seven generations of preachers. All of us in this room today were lost and slaves to sin. That's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, somebody shout all of us, used to live this way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And by our very own nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God, somebody shout, but God. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised us up with Christ Jesus. We are only here today because our God is rich in mercy. You're not here today because you're a good person. You're not here today because of the good things you do. You look real good today. You look pretty. You put a little paint on the barn. Some of you, come on, somebody. You put your nicest shoes on, your best clothes on. But if it weren't for the goodness of God, come on. Sometimes it feels like our sin bankrupts the goodness of God. But can I tell somebody in the room? 
room today, God has more mercy than you have sin. Sin should have destroyed you, but God, come on. Yes, everyone here has been brought close to God by the blood of Jesus, which means we all have a story. I have a but God moment, and so do you. We all have a sinful past. I already feel like preaching this morning. We all have things that if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, we wouldn't be here. But God, I shouldn't have escaped Pharaoh at the Red Sea. I should have drowned. But God, come on, somebody. I'm thankful today that I got a story to tell. Aren't you glad today? I'm thankful today that he didn't leave me to die in the ditch. I'm thankful today that he said, I choose that one. Struggle in all, sin in all, problems in all. Yeah, they mess up. Yeah, they dirty, but I choose them. Aren't you glad today for a but God moment? Give God some praise right there if you're glad. And I came to tell somebody today that if you're still breathing in the room, there's another but God moment coming for you. Everybody take a breath right now. That is hope, which means you and I have another moment ahead of us. There's still another but God moment. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're going through, but there's another but God coming for you. You should go under in these financial times, but God. Your kids should go hungry, but God. You should have died, but God. Come on. Your marriage shouldn't have survived this season, but God. He's faithful. He's rich in mercy. And it's in these moments that produce in each one of us a story, a testimony of the goodness of God. And the word declares in Revelation chapter 12 today that we are overcomers. Someone shout overcomers because of his sacrifice and our story. But many aren't truly living as overcomers because we haven't left what he brought us out of. Let me go deeper. In our text today, verse 28, so the woman left her water jar and went away. After her encounter with Jesus, she left her water pot. Now, this may not seem like anything significant unless you know the whole story. They're coming to get water, and Jesus says, I have water that you know not of. I have water that if you drink of it, you will never be thirsty again. Now, that sounds like some good water, y'all. I want that Holy Ghost water. Come on, I I don't get thirsty anymore. It's that good water, that expensive, bougie water. Jesus, what are you talking about? There's water right here. He says, I have water that you will never thirst again. Again, and her response, I love this, is this, sir, give me this water. Give me this water. This is most people's response when they hear of what God can do in their life. Yeah, I'll say yes to the blessings. Yes to peace and joy. That sounds wonderful. Who wouldn't want that? Jesus, give me this water. Give me the blessed life. But most of us want what Jesus has to offer without forsaking what used to fill us up. She spent years taking this same pot over and over. This is what fills me up. But now Jesus has left her marked by the encounter. And he says, you got to take what I have. 
Most of us in the room today, our testimony doesn't matter to people because they see us still filling ourselves up with the old water pot. Now you say Jesus did something in your life, praise God. But why are you still going back to boo-boo every five months? Preach, Pastor Andrew. Well, come on. Y'all don't amen me. I can amen myself. Come on, somebody. You're going back to the same old stuff, and they see that there is no difference between us and them. So why would I serve Jesus when I keep going back to the same old stuff? Come on, somebody. Why follow Jesus like you say when you're still getting filled up out of old water pots? Why forsake Jacob's well? Can I tell you today, we must forsake what used to fill us up because once you've had an encounter with Jesus, Jacob's well will never satisfy again. Come on. And so the Bible says she left her water jar and went away. Somebody shout away. After her encounter, she left it. Leave it there. To be an overcomer. And to have a testimony, you have to leave what used to fill, used to fill you up. You got to unfriend some people on Facebook. You can't have the same relationships. You can't be DMing everybody anymore. You can't be doing the same lifestyle, going to the club on Saturday night and church on Sunday morning. You can't be doing that. You have to leave what used to fill you. And say, sir, give me this water that you speak of. Are you still with me today? So once God brings you out of your mess, I love this, it's time to get into the game. Because in the kingdom, if you're taking notes, write this down. In the kingdom, there are no bench warmers. In the kingdom, there are no bench warmers. Because this woman could have went home and said, man... God just did something in my life so powerful. I'm going to have a praise party at my house. I'm going to order some good cheesecake. I'm going to order some good soda from Sonic with the ice. Come on, somebody. And I'm just going to throw a praise party because what he did for me. That's not what she does. Notice what she does. When Jesus changes your life, your life will never be the same again. Listen to me this morning. Normal is boring. I said normal is boring. You can either have a normal life or a supernatural one. Uh, You can either either have a normal life like everybody else. I want the the house with five bedrooms, three bathrooms, 2.5 kids and the white picket fence. Normal. I don't know who has 0.5 kids though, if we're being honest. Or you can have the supernatural life. I choose the supernatural of God. Because normal is boring. We want the experience, but do we want the supernatural life? We all want victories, but very few want to get into the game, into the gap. Come on, somebody. So in the kingdom... Once you have been brought out of your mess into the kingdom and you're now a citizen, you go from being a spectator to being a participator. I can't sit on the sidelines anymore. 
I can't sit and watch and observe anymore. Well, pastor, you don't know me. I, I don't like to talk to people and I, uh, I'm an introvert. Listen, I'm an introvert too, y'all. You may not know it on Sunday, but when I leave here, I go in my shell. Come on, somebody. I know what it's like, but I can't talk to people. God wants to use you in your circle of influence. We must go from being spectators to participators. So let's go a little deeper. You ready to go a little deeper? So back to verse 28. So the woman left her water jar. She left what used to fill her up, and she went away into town. She didn't say, God saved me, so I'm going to get a bunch of food, build a prepper building underground, just waiting for the apocalypse to happen, and waiting for Jesus to come back. I know so many Christians just waiting for the rapture to happen sitting at home doing nothing for the kingdom we can't sit idly by while our world goes to hell and we cannot wait around in our comfortable salvation while the rest of the world lives in Jacob's well experiencing the emptiness that it provides when Jesus filled her, what did she say? I want everyone to discover what I have found in Jesus. So she left what had filled her void and then brought her emptiness and went to the people and said, listen, I know you used to know me as the woman who's had reoccurring death over and over and over and over and over. But God has done something in my life. Yeah. Listen, if you care about going to church, but you don't care about people, you don't know the heart of God. She didn't go home. She went into town and said to the people, can I tell you today, the father is broken over the condition that people live in in our city. Yeah. He wants to save he wants to deliver. He wants to heal and set every person free. But we as the church must get back to the heart of the Father and be about people. So she runs to town to the same people she avoided at the well, to the same people that were talking about her. There must be something wrong with her. Every man she touches dies. Like she, she can't keep a husband. The people that were gossiping about her, she goes straight to them. Because catch this, when you get saved, you can't be offended anymore. Yeah. Come on. Come on. When you get saved, you don't get to be offended anymore because people matter more than being offended. Oh. Come on, I know they talked about you. Get over it because they matter to God. I know they hurt you. Get healed and get over it because they matter to God. I know you don't like them and you're, you're just praying that your mansion in heaven is the opposite end of them. Come on, somebody. Like there's this place in heaven for the gossipers. Come on, get over it because God wants to use you to meet the need of the people that have been talking about you. Come on. So now we go to verse 29. So she goes to the people and she says, come see a man. Somebody say that. Come see a man. When did the church become so boring? that people stopped coming just to see what it was really about. I heard your church is wild. 
So people come and check it out. I remember those days. I heard your church has miracles. For some people, it's like, I heard your church speaks in tongues, and that's so weird, but I want to check it out. I, I heard, I heard. How can they hear unless we speak? Come on. Have we lost our spirit of expectation in the church? I'm going there today. We used to believe that if we brought a sinner with us to church, they weren't leaving the same way they came. We used to expect God to move in every single situation and see a change. We used to expect God to move in our life in such a way that we didn't leave the same way we walked in. We walked in depressed, but we walked out with joy. We walked out, walked in broken, but we walked out with the peace of God that passes all understanding. We used to believe that worship was going to be so powerful that we were going to encounter the living God. Come on, somebody. We used to believe, come on, that God was just going to heal every single thing inside my soul we used to come with expectation but the problem for many in the body is we have become too familiar with God and familiarity brings and breeds dishonor we have gotten so comfortable in the goodness of God that we have become familiar with what he does and in turn dishonor it what do you mean dishonor it Pastor Andrew, I'm not in here like, God, I hate you. I'm not dishonoring. We dishonor God by not bringing the lost here. This is, this is meant to cut us and challenge us today. I know. We, we dishonor God deep in our hearts when we have bought into the lie that God cannot change someone. God can change anybody. Come on. And my prayer today for our church and for the body is that we have such an encounter with God that we can't help but tell everybody. We can't help it. It, 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 it can't stay in our mouths. We can't be quiet. We have the approach of come see a man. You don't know what God did in my life this week at church. You should come with me. I was so depressed about to kill myself, about to swallow a bunch of pills, but God, come to church and figure it out with me. Come on. My life's not perfect, but man, it used to be here, and God has just moved in my... Listen, you don't understand. The bill was coming. The debtor was coming. The creditor was coming, and I didn't know what I was going to do, but God showed up. Come on. Is there anybody in the room today that heard somebody say, if you would just come see a man if you would just come see Jesus I don't have the answer for you but he cannot preach for a minute come see a man who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or you're so quiet today come see a man somebody that healed my marriage somebody that brought me breakthrough somebody that healed my baby someone that filled my emptiness come see a man that is still able to do more than I expect or imagine now give him some praise in the room
Give 10 people a high five and say, come see a man. Come on. 10 people a high five. Come see a man. Come see him. Come experience what I've experienced. I used to be broke and dead and dying and in sin, but God came and rescued me. I want you to come see him. You can't miss out on what I've seen. He's too good for me not to talk about him. He's too faithful for me not to talk about him. I'm thankful today. Give him some praise in the room. Come see a man. Come see him. Come see him. Come on. Just come. What kind of church is that? Don't worry about that. Just come. Hard to explain anyway. Come on. They got light bulbs like a cafe. A lot of them white. But the preacher don't sound white. He's, he's, what's he doing up there? I don't understand. Just, just come. And when you come, you won't experience me. Oh, shoot. And you won't experience the winner of the voice. Come on, somebody, because that's why people have come before. Y'all, we had somebody come one time during our sound check, and him and his weirdo mom, I'm, I'm sorry, they were weird. They showed up, sat in the front row at sound check, and just recorded them, and then left. Y'all remember that? Freaking, freaking weirdos, y'all. Stalker vibes. I looked at our security team and said, watch those. They're weird. When you come, you're not coming to experience me. You're not coming to experience good worship. You're not coming to experience the kids' ministry we have, the coffee, whatever it is. No, 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 no. I came here, me, after being in church my whole life, another Sunday, because I want to come see a man that can solve all of the emptiness inside of my heart. Come see a man. Look at somebody next to you and say, come see a man. Come see a man. Come see a man. So now, I love this. She says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Here's what I love about this. She didn't try to change these people. Come see a man. Now quit cussing, quit smoking, quit blah, blah, blah. That's not what she did. She said, just come and encounter the thing that I have encountered. We need to stop trying to get sinners to get their junk together before they get here. Jesus will work on that. So if they come in here and smoke their cigarette until they come into the building, that's all right. Come on. I'll send the team out there with the fan to blow it out. Come on. It's all right. I remember one time in the church I grew up in, this man came in drunk as a skunk and no shirt on. And he stumbled into the altar. He said, you got my keys, shouting at the preacher. You know what? That man is saved today, sober, in his right mind. He's one of the loudest people at that church. I don't care if they come in here like that. I hope they lay their dope on the altar. Come on, somebody. Just come see him. I, I'm not trying to change you. He'll do it for me. So take the pressure off of inviting people to church and testifying 
and thinking that you have to make this extraordinary change in their life. Do you not remember that you couldn't change yourself? And if you can't change yourself, baby, you're not going to change them either. Come see a man. Come experience what I've experienced. She couldn't force them to come and see either. But this didn't stop her from testifying of what God had done. She compelled them to come and experience what she did. That is the key to leading someone to Jesus. Tell them your story. They don't need to hear your grandma's story. They, they don't need to hear about some famous preacher's story. That, that's, not, that's not effective. They need to hear your story. What did God do for you? So here's a couple keys to sharing your story, and then I'll, I'll get back into this, but I feel like this is helpful. Number one, keep it short. You didn't got to tell them every single part of your story. They don't need to know about every detail. And every porn site you visited, they don't need to know that stuff. They don't need to know about every relationship you were in. Just keep it short. Keep it simple. Number two, keep it about Jesus. Let them hear more about Jesus than about you. It's funny, in, in testimony services, which we do not do at near church because too much junk gets behind the microphone, amen. But I've heard people in testimony services who when they get behind the microphone to testify, it is all about them or it's all about the devil. We give the devil too much credit, too much glory, too much praise, too much power. Make it all about Jesus. And number three, make it kingdom. Don't bash other people. Don't bash churches. Don't dishonor. Don't dishonor pastors. Don't dishonor your parents. Keep it kingdom. Share your story and let your story cause them to want to find out more for themselves. This is how we will turn our city upside down. When I share my story and my testimony with someone, it should lead them to Jesus, not to me. Because notice, she doesn't say, hey, come on, let me tell you my story. No, she says, come see a man who told me all that I ever did But pastor, you don't know my story. It's dirty. It's sinful. It's full of pain. Good. God wants to use it. God wants to use your story to lead others to himself. The most painful parts of my life have been the most effective parts of my life. Come on. And from this, we are called to testify. Somebody say testify. And what we miss and what we believe of the devil is that our testimony doesn't have power. So we go back to Revelation 12 and 1 this morning. You still with me in the room? They conquered him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. They loved their lives, not even unto death. We conquer our enemy by what Jesus did. Aren't you glad for what Jesus did? But then we also conquer him with the story of not what he did, but what he's still doing today. Because my testimony reminds the devil that God redeemed my past, moves in my present, and secures my future. 
Can I say that again? It, my testimony reminds the devil that God redeemed my past, moves in my present, and secures my future. My testimony has power and authority. Somebody shout, my testimony has power. Come on, shout like you believe it. My testimony has power. Your story needs to be told. It needs to be shared. So what waitress is waiting on you today for you to tell your story to? What person are you going to encounter at the store this week and you don't know them? Listen, don't be weird. Please, for the sake of the kingdom, don't be weird. And if you're weird, let us help you out. Come on. We'll have, we'll have a session just on how to not be weird when inviting people to church and telling your story. You, you, you don't kind of like sneak up on them like this, like, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> hey, how's it going? I, I couldn't help but notice you look sad. Can I tell you that Jesus is so good? He's been good to me. I remember when I was 16 years old and depressed and suicidal, but he set me free. I cried myself to sleep every night. If there had been a gun in the house, I would have put it in my mouth and pulled the trigger, but God gloriously changed me. That's my testimony. It doesn't have to be weird. What person, what coworker needs to hear about when God heals you? You don't have to beat people down with the gospel for it to be effective. You know what's really effective? Your story. Your story, what God has done in you, and your story causes the devil, this is so powerful, to be defeated in the earth. It makes us overcomers. But not only does my story cause me to overcome, it can cause others to overcome too. Take that for a moment. My story doesn't just remind me of the goodness of God in such a way that it keeps me going. And if he did it before, he can do it again because the God of yesterday and today and forever is the same God. It not only reminds me and goes back to Lamentations where it says, I recall to my mind and I have hope. I remember what God did before and if he did it then, he can do it now. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think according to the power that works within us. Not only does it remind us of that, but it reminds others that if God did it for them, he can do it for me too. Man, if God can, because your story, catch this, it increases faith. It increases the faith in the room. That's why we sing songs like, I've witnessed it. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. Y'all, I have seen people, demon-possessed people, fall to the ground and slither like snakes, and someone lay hands on them and them leave totally normal. I have seen God heal cancer. I have seen God move mountains. I have seen God do the impossible. Can I tell you a couple stories real quick of what I've seen God do? I'll never forget when my, my little girl 
Sadie, who's now seven, she was a baby, and my sister was watching her at our house, and it was around Christmas time, and that year, for whatever reason, we just had Christmas presents ready to go at the beginning of December, like we were just parents of the year that year. Come on, somebody, it was awesome. We felt on top of the world, and I'll never forget, I was 30 minutes away, and I get a call from my sister and said, are you, are you banging on the door? And I said, no, I'm not banging on the door. What are you talking about? And she says, somebody is banging on your door. And, and she looks out and she doesn't recognize the person. Someone was trying to break into my house. And they are banging on the door. I mean, just, and trying to kick the door down. Now, back then we were real stupid because we've never been through anything like this and we never locked the deadbolt. We just locked that little lock on the doorknob. And I, I'm telling her, I said, sis, you have to lock that deadbolt. And she said, I'm trying, but he's kicking so hard that it won't let me. And I said, okay, get Sadie, get our dog, and, and just go lock yourself and try to deadbolt the door. And she said, I'm trying. And the, the phone hung up. And I thought, oh, my gosh. My sister's dead. My baby's dead. And our dog's dead. I was freaking out, so I jump in my car, call 911. I'm driving as fast as I can. I called one of my friends who was close by. He literally drove so fast that he said my, my side tires went off the road. <laughs> I had gun in hand ready to do whatever the Lord had me to do. I'm the righteousness of God, the vengeance of God, you know. <laughs> and I get, yeah, Batman. <laughs> and, and I get there, and I'm like, what happened? They said, she's okay. She's freaked out. Your baby's okay. And I said, what happened? The police officer said, listen, if that guy had kicked one more time, he would have gotten in. But thankfully, your deadbolt was locked. I said, man, Elizabeth must have just like strong-armed it at the last second, like hung up the phone and <laughs> I was like, thank God the deadbolt locked. And I go and talk to her about it. I said, man, I'm so glad you got that deadbolt locked. She said, I didn't. I said, what do you mean you didn't? The officer said, if you hadn't had it locked, that person would have gotten in. She said, I didn't lock it. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, remember the scripture says, I am the door. Mm. I'm the door. I'm the door. I've witnessed it. I've seen God be a door. I've seen God be a deadbolt. Come on, somebody. When some, some drug addict just wanted to steal Christmas presents off of, my, off of my tree, come on, somebody, and wanted to harm my sister and my baby girl, I've witnessed it. I've seen the goodness of God. And then I'll never forget my same little girl, Sadie. She had this condition where if you met her when she was little, she had all these eye boogers all the time. They were disgusting. It was so gross. It's like, I love you and you're so cute, but you're disgusting. You know? <laughs> and we'd have to clean them out. And, and we told the doctor, we're like, what's going to happen? They said, well, she's got this condition where her tear duct is extremely clogged and she's going to have to have surgery, like a specialist surgery. She's going to have to go to Children's Hospital. It's going to be a big ordeal. And so I, I called Children's Hospital, and I'm trying to make an appointment, and nobody's answering. Like, what's wrong with these people? Don't they want my money? Come on. 
Nobody answered. And so I left a voicemail and said, call me back at this number. Well, they tried calling me back and I was in some meeting. And so I called them back, you know, tag, tag, you're it. And we could never get a hold of each other. And one day I look at Sadie and we just start praying about it. And I look at Sadie and her tear duct isn't nasty and ooey and gooey anymore. It was healed. And so they finally called me and got a hold of me and said, hey, sir, we're ready to schedule the surgery. I said, I don't need to schedule anything. They said, what do you mean? You said you needed a, a surgery on your little girl's tear duct. I said, it's okay. I don't need it anymore. God healed my little girl. You can take care of somebody else. Y'all, I have witnessed God do miracle signs and wonders. Come on. And now my job, since I've seen God do it, I've seen him send checks in the mail when I didn't have enough money. I've seen God send people into our church. They didn't know the financial situation, but God knew. Come on. I've seen God perform miracle signs and wonders. But I can't just come in here on Sunday and praise God for it, and that's wonderful, and we should praise him for what he's done. But now God says, I'm calling you to testify of my goodness. Can I give you a word this morning? Come on, Pastor Jordan. Here's the word this morning. Someone is waiting on you to testify. There's someone in our community that's waiting on you to open up your mouth and testify. We overcome. By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You know how we're going to reach this community? Testifying. You know why we give people these? Because normally it's a good entrance into your story. you should come to church with me. I've been church hurt before. This is why this is going to be so powerful. I've been church hurt before. Like there was this girl, she'd be talking about me all the time. And I left the church because I thought everybody was that way. Maybe you've been church hurt too. You should come join me on Sunday. Someone is waiting on you to testify. Someone is waiting on you. Some people would come if only someone would invite them. Can we grasp that for a second? That this sanctuary could be filled over and over and over on Sundays. I would love to have to do like five, six, seven, eight services, y'all. Let's pray God gives us a bigger building before that, come on. But I would love to have to do that because we've shared our stories so much that our city has been changed. Because y'all, here, here's what's so powerful. You ready for this? You ready? John chapter four. This is after she's done all this. She has said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. And the Bible says that they came and they went. They went to Jesus. But here's what, here's the powerful part of this story. Verse 39, many, somebody shout many. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus. 
Now we could stop right there and say, thank God. Many in Bowling Green believed in Jesus, but catch the rest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. The city of Samaria was turned upside down, experienced revival that history still talks about today. And it wasn't because Jesus was in town. It was because someone said, come see a man. He told me everything I ever did. Someone is waiting on you. I'm not a preacher. Who cares? When I was a youth pastor, something I used to tell my, my youth was this, because I had all these kids that wanted a microphone. They're like, I want to preach, Pastor Andrew. Sit down. Hold on a sec. Let's see if you can preach with your life first. I need a platform, Pastor Andrew. No, you don't. Your life is your platform that God has given you. And he says, can I trust you to preach and testify of my goodness to others from the platform I've set you on? Well, I'm just waiting for a ministry position. What if he puts you at the job you're at right now? Someone's waiting on you. Every single person in this room, there is someone that God has assigned to your life. And if you don't tell them, who will? Pastor, do you mean God wants to use me to alter eternity? Yes. You're telling me that God wants to use me to fill this church? Yes. Are you telling me God wants to use me that someone can go from being broken to healed? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Many Samaritans. Many from Bowling Green. Let's just put it in our context today and preach it and prophesy it. Many in Bowling Green believed because of what they said. Many, come on, give the Lord some praise. Many in Bowling Green believed in Jesus because of what they said. So the key is we have to open up our mouth and begin to speak of the goodness of God. Stand with me all across the house today. Hey, listener, thanks for tuning in to the Near Church Podcast. You can give online, fill out a virtual connection card, plan your visit, and more by texting the words Near Church to 94000 or by visiting us online at www.nearchurch.co.